Perfect. Welcome to Women in the Chemical, Women of Women of the Week Live. I'm Claire. And I'm Kylie, and we're joined today by Chantal Batter. Chantal, thanks for joining. Thanks, Kylie. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Emily. Hi. Good morning, everybody. I'm happy to be here. Today's episode is sponsored by Try ISO. Perfect. So Chantal, thanks again for joining us here this morning. We're really excited to introduce you to our community. Um, so let's go ahead and do that. So please uh, tell our community a little bit about yourself, your background, and your experience so far in the chemical industry. Thank you, Kylie. So, you know, my name is Chantal Bader. Um, I was born and raised in Lebanon, Beirut, Lebanon. And this is where I did my master in physical chemistry. Um, then I left to Paris, France, where I continued my higher education and I obtained a PhD in physical chemistry and analytical chemistry from Paris 6. Um, after that, uh, you know, experience, I've had the opportunity to come to the United States and join uh, a chemical company, um, you know, Rodia at that time, later acquired by Solvay. Uh, and I started there as a researcher working in the electronic industry. Um, worked uh, for several years in the research uh, and then moved uh, to the commercial side, the business side, as a business manager working in the oil and gas uh, sector. Um, and then opportunity came again for me to move back to Europe, this time to Brussels in Belgium, where I joined the, the CEO as his chief of staff. And during that time, I completed my MBA at the London Business School to benefit more from, from that experience before heading back to the States again uh, mm -hmm. and joining another business unit to, to lead the, the strategy and the M&A uh, function. Um, in my last role, um, I was heading uh, for global function, uh, sustainability, commercial excellence, um, strategic marketing, strategy and M&A. I wow. was also supervising um, the PNL for the distribution sales channel and also sponsoring some cross-functional programs. And, uh, you know, um, this is, this is my journey so far. Wow. So we will get into the nitty gritty of a couple of those, uh, positions I'm sure. And just in general, all of these many roles and experiences that you've had, um, as we continue down the line of some of these questions that we have today, but I just have to say, my goodness, Chantal, your portfolio of experiences and education is tremendous. I'm, I'm taking notes while, while you speak, and I can't type fast enough to get your, your whole experience down. So um, I'm excited to dig into this here this morning. So let's talk a little bit about transitioning from R&D to the commercial side. So you mentioned that you made that switch. So um, can you tell us a little bit about some of those most significant barriers or challenges that you had to overcome during this transition period? Um, and then the work that you did to best prepare for this transition, kind of when you decided it was the best time to do it, your experience overall, let's just talk about generally making that switch from R&D to the commercial side. Sure. Uh, so I'll probably start with your last question about when did I make that decision? I think uh, there is no good time to make decisions. So mm -hmm. when you feel when you feel ready, you just do it. And this is what I did. I felt uh, that I was engaged a lot on scientific projects that required customer interaction. And I really liked that interaction. I wanted to see my products in the customer hands, but I wanted as well to be sitting on the opposite side of the table. 
So I took the initiative to look for opportunity, make myself visible, clear, and focus on what I would like to do next into my career. So when opportunity mm -hmm. came uh, into the business side, I was uh, pulled into that position. And I actually jumped at a time where there was a big downturn in the oil and gas industry, not a good mm -hmm. time to be there. So this was a big challenge, I would say, but at the same time, uh, time a big opportunity. So what was seen a big challenge was also a great opportunity for me to acquire new skills, uh, you know, new experiences. There's definitely no time for a proper onboarding like you see on regular jobs where you will have two, three months to get to know the business. This was sure. really getting into the business from day one, connecting with people, go on training, uh, really uh, engage with the commercial and the technical folks to see where can you bring value? Where can you do the most impact? Where the sales team need your, uh, need your uh, you know, help? And for me uh, personally, what worked very well is that I had the technical background. So you can use that technical background on the business side, including in different industries. So this is where I started. I started where my strengths are. And I looked uh, uh, alongside the commercial uh, uh, people where they will need a technical person to go with them to uh, customer meetings. Where would they need someone to present uh, technical stuff, you know, where they would have probably lack of visibility or less information. And I, and this was my starting point. And from there, it was, it was a very rewarding journey. Mm -hmm. That's great. So I think about this, this process of leaning on your strength. So knowing where your technical experience and your, your expertise becomes your crutch in this transition. So you lean on the skills that you're good at. And I think we've talked about this in a few interviews of some of these more generic skills that do transition yeah. to different functions throughout your organizations. And I think that that kind of, you're, you're speaking to that experience of these skills that carry over across functions that help you to have a leg up as you turn into something that is challenging, uncomfortable. But what I'm also hearing, Chantal, is that you embrace this like discomfort and this challenge, and you looked at it with the lens of it being such an opportunity. And so I think a little bit of this is all about the perspective that you have when you jump into these new experiences, for sure. Of course. Um, Claire, before I move to the next question, do you have any comments? Yeah, no, to echo your point, I think it's great that you focused on your strengths, but not only focusing on how their strengths will serve you, but then looking for how you can bring value your, to your teammates, right? So really looking to learn yourself, but then also build up your, your, your team around you, which I think is fantastic. And then I loved your, you took the initiative. So you're owning like what you want to do and you're visible, clear, and focused. Like those are like the three things that I wrote down. So I'll certainly take that with me. I think that's incredible. And I think to add to um, what you guys just said, what is important is really to have a high self-awareness on where your weaknesses are. So I knew that I will not be able to be an expert and I do not want to be the expert in all and gas in, in, in just a few weeks. Uh, so I enrolled uh, in a program, online program at Harvard Business School, which helped me. It's like a pre-MBA program, which helped me understand the language, understand what I'm getting into. Mm -hmm. So really uh, adapted that proactive approach where you really need to do your homework because people do not have the time. They're looking after their numbers. There is a downturn. They, they you know, there is, there is mm -hmm. some objectives to be, to be accomplished at the end of the day. So you really have to be proactive in, in those conditions and, you know, uh, do what is, uh, what is best for you, but as well for the business. Absolutely. I love this idea of 
self-awareness and constantly learning. It sounds like it's been tremendously beneficial and helpful and supportive in your career journey, for sure. So Chantal, the next thing I want to talk a little bit about is some of these like international moves back and forth that you've made, right? And these experiences that come along with it. So if we could please talk a little bit about some of your biggest takeaways from these various cultures and regions that you've lived in, and then any advice that you might have for those that are currently working across cultures and internationally as well. Yes. So, um, you know, as I said before, I, I have an international background. I speak three languages. I have, uh, you know, three nationalities. Uh, so it helps a lot to move back and forth between between different countries. So definitely it made my journey easy. You know, you don't need to apply for a visa, et cetera. So basically just the logistic is, is easy in my case. But I definitely recommend anyone who has that opportunity to move in the company or professionally or even personally to take that opportunity to explore, to basically be flexible, open, you know, um, connect with the people, learn the language and, you know, listen uh, to other people's culture, to their communication, to, you know, look at their body languages, understand deeply and connect with the people at a deeper level. My biggest takeaway was actually it allowed me to understand uh, the world better uh, to challenge my personal mm. personal assumption. It was it was really um, getting me out of the box and, and connecting with the people professionally and personally. You know, you get to know the culture, you speak the language. So you read the same books, you go to the same cultural events, uh, mm -hmm. you have the same interests. Um, so there is a lot of differences that you can, you can explore to actually um, uh, try to understand people, but also those differences becomes more like harmony with time. You, you, you start doing the same thing that other people mm. because you like it. So you challenge yourself and basically you learn from their practices. And this is what I did. I engage in, you know, it was in at a deeper level with the people around me on a personal professional level, trying really to understand sometimes the said and the unsaid, depending on the culture, there is a different way of communicating. You know, the European culture, it's, it's a very complicated language. So it's not easy as the English language. So there is a lot of, you know, in um, said and unsaid in that languages, you read more, you educate yourself more, you connect more with the people. And basically, uh, you know, um, I try to enjoy it as much as I can. And I really do. Um, and it helps me. It helps me today in my personal life. We speak three languages, you know, uh, we're very, uh, we're, you know, my, my son, we try to speak with him three, three languages. So it helped as well to uh, prepare the next generation uh, onto that diversity. Wow. I think it's, it's really cool how you, so an overarching theme that I'm hearing in your response to this question is the importance that you place on connections with people and kind of this relationship building aspect in your experiences of really helps you to like fully and more deeply form connections with people, both personally and professionally. Um, and I think that that's something that I have learned that I really value in the work that I do, both professionally and personally, even with women in chemicals here today. But yeah. um, I think that there are definitely, you're, you're speaking to me with, and I'm listening so much because I think that I just as much value the ability to make these relationships. And that's what energizes me and keeps me going for sure. Claire, any comments there? Um, the other thing that I that resonated with me is just the trying, right? So 
just the efforts to make those connections, I would imagine people appreciate whether it's a, you know, from a globalization perspective or even your earlier comment about like this was a whole new market. You didn't know the, the language in that market. So then you took it upon yourself to start to find that. So yeah. you have that connection. So it's interesting how it's kind of translates, you know, not just globally, but also as you navigate the different industries. So very cool. Yeah. And just like making time to try, because I think it's very yeah. easy to say, no, this is what I know. And this is what's comfortable for me. And this is the the tunnel I'm going to go down. So just acknowledging that there is definitely significant effort and a conscious choice to try that's happening too. I think that's worth acknowledging for sure. Chantal, was it, was it difficult to give yourself grace when you're learning all the different languages or adjusting to different cultures? Was it like, hey, I want to know, I want to be a part of it right now, but then also recognizing that it takes time. Just curious how that sure. experience was. So, um, you know, if I go back in time, uh, the English, French and Arabic language were taught at very early um, stage in our schools back in Lebanon. So it helped to actually master uh, those three languages. So down the road, when I when I went back and forth between, you know, Middle East, Europe and, and the U.S., it was easy personally to to connect, but still. You know, um, we tend to focus a lot on the professional language, but there is a lot of benefit into the day-to-day -day activities when you live in those countries. So I definitely focused a lot on reading, getting into cultural events, you know, engaging with people who, you know, you can benefit from their experiences, both on a personal level and professional level. Uh, people tend to focus more, I would say, on you know the business language, et cetera. And this is the trap that I avoided where I tried to strike a balance between you know, uh, the personal, uh, where you know, I focus on activities, et cetera, and also the professional. I think it's very important uh, because it also helped even someone like me who, who mastered language to even get deeper into those languages, understand better the culture because you start understanding the history where people are coming from. Uh, you start getting you know, different perception of the word uh, like I said before challenge your own assumption and understanding it you know that the people matter and I think this is where I would say even if you have the knowledge of the language uh, there is still a lot to learn and you need to spend some time uh, you know especially you don't want to miss that on an international uh, international opportunity it sounds like there's constant learning going on. It's not just like a, a class you can take and move forward from. It's no. constant. Definitely. So we've talked a little bit about how your experiences, your international background has helped you to become the leader that you are today. Is there anything else, Chantal, that's worth acknowledging or addressing here that you want to share with our community about these experiences specifically that have helped you get to where you are in your positions today? Sure. You know, to even understand me and my background better, um, if you don't know about Lebanon, Lebanon is a country where we lived more than two decades of war. So uh, it affects you. You know, I was there as a child. Um, you know, you, you see for most of the people, education, it's an opportunity. For us, education is a sign of hope. You want to get educated, you want to leave the country, and you want to continue that education and that journey. And I think throughout my journey, I would say um, being courageous, having a strong resilience, being highly flexible and adaptable is what impacted me as a person to actually continue my journey. So, 
this is why I try to instill in my teams, you know, when I have the chance to lead a team or work alongside the teams, it is very important to be flexible and adaptable. You have to adapt to the environment, to the culture. You cannot expect everything to adapt to you. And I think that was, uh, you know, very uh, important, uh, I would say, attributes for me that helped me grow both personally and professionally. Absolutely. So you mentioned adaptability and flexibility. And I think that just in general for the industry, the chemical industry itself, Amelia and I have talked about this a little bit and that sometimes we feel as though the industry lags in their adaptability. Um, And so we think like having this perspective and having folks in leadership positions in the industry to bring that perspective to their teams is only going to improve the, the the efficiencies, the effectiveness of the industry itself. So I think that's a great perspective, not only for you to have in your teens, but to bring that and embrace that within the industry too. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about some of your specific diverse experiences and positions mm-hmm. throughout your career so far, Chantal. What helps you to decide when to say yes to an opportunity and when to say no? Um, I think out of personal curiosity, if you have said no specifically, I'd be curious to hear that story if you're willing to share, but ultimately just trying to understand what you consider when making these decisions about your career. Sure. So I should mention that at the beginning of my career, or, you know, it's very common for me or for any professional to actually say yes to opportunities because you want to grasp as much information, acquire new skills, have you know, biggest impact, you, you want to be visible, you, you have a lot of ambitions, you still have even after 10, 15 years, but I'm saying at the beginning, you say yes to a lot of opportunities. That's what happened to me. You know, I wanted to be in research, I went to research. Uh, and then when I found that I wanted to be in business, I was vocal, I was clear, I was focused. I had the chance to be, um, to present many of my technical projects to business leader. So when I wanted to move to business, I went and talked to those folks you know, to see if there is opportunity. So uh, when the opportunity came, I said, yes, I would like to be a business manager because that's my entry point to the commercial side. Mm-hmm. And from, from that point uh, forward, I think I said yes to every single opportunity because when I looked at those opportunity, uh, me deciding about those opportunity, I will look at, you know, uh, does it add to my skill? Does it stretch my skill? It doesn't have to be a promotion. It can be transversal. But does it make me a better professional, a better person? When I'm getting to, into in terms of team or organization, is it aligned with my values? Yes or no? Those are the parameters or the variables that uh, you know, I take into consideration. Plus, uh, I also collect a lot of feedback about the position. So I will go see other people who has taken those position, positions and ask them, is it the right path for me? That's what I'm looking at. So I really collect a lot of data And thanks to my scientific background, I think it helps. And, um, you know, I never, I would say, was afraid or or fell into the expert trap. What people talk, people like don't want to move unless they are expert in a certain field. So I knew early on that I do not need to be an expert to move from an industry to another or from a role to another or even take on leadership role. You, you have to have the right mindset and you have to accept the fact that people around you will be smarter, will be more, have more expertise. And this is fine. You have to be comfortable with this. And you have, if you have enough humility to try to understand the new domains, then you will do fine. And this is what basically the approach I did. 
And every time I went into a new role, I use my scientific background, meaning uh, it's like making an experiment. For me, there is a lot of trial and error. I will do good, I will do less good, it doesn't matter. I will continue that journey, but I will not uh, uh, fall into feeling like I'm out of context, I'm not in the right you know, position or let uh, someone else make me feel this way. And mm-hmm. I think if, you, if, you're, if you're focused on really what you would like to do, everything else become noises, you get the feedback, you know, um, you, you, you work on yourself, you work on your skills and just to move on. And I think that's mm-hmm. what helps me say yes or no. And the more I moved into uh, the organization on even on a personal level, then no becomes much simpler. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, you know, with, with time, you have, uh, you have much more responsibilities. So is it a good role for me? Uh, is it a good balance for me and my family? Um, can I travel? Can, do I need more travel? So, I, you know, I try to weigh all those things and now it becomes much easier. Yes, I did say since a year to now, I did say no to some mm-hmm. opportunity because they were not aligned with my career aspiration yeah. and they were not aligned with my priorities. And it is for me, I'm very comfortable now with that, with that decision, until, you know, until I found something that is really uh, talks to my experience and my aspiration. Mm-hmm. So my like biggest takeaway from this, Chantal, is it sounds like over time you've truly learned like who you are, what you value and what you look for. And you hold true to that through every decision that you make and you're confident in that. And I think what I've learned a little bit is that that comes with time and experience as well. Um, what I really take away from this, me personally, is this feedback loop that you've mentioned about collecting feedback from others about certain positions. Um, I think that that's a great way to approach yeah. understanding what the expectations of a role are. Um, but my maybe out of curiosity and my question becomes what if that position doesn't have a predecessor that you can learn from and it's more ambiguous um and so maybe I'd be curious to understand what your take is on that if the role is a new position or there isn't a predecessor to learn from um if you do not have a predecessor then you go out of the industry um maybe through your network and connection you can talk to people outside of the organization uh, to see, um, you know, people from other industry. Sometimes, you know, if you're R and D in in chemistry or R and D in pharmaceutical or R and D in another in another division, sure. most of the roles and responsibilities and the duties are the same. Your your the subject might be different, you know, the content a little bit different. But you know, this is transfer. These are what we what we call probably uh, the functions are the easiest to handle function roles. Because if you move from a strategy in, in chemistry to a strategy in a tech company or in an IT company, you're doing strategy. If you have the right mindset, you will do, you will do well. And I think that you can go outside of your uh, industry through your mm-hmm. network. And I will emphasize uh, later on the importance of the network and ask, collect feedback, you know, yeah. and even engage within the organization about the expectation and what does success look like for this position right. if it's in you. So you get to challenge your own organization to actually start that sort of process. Absolutely. That's great advice. I appreciate that very much. Claire, do you have anything to add before I move to the next question? 
No, just to, I admire that you keep your values as kind of your North Star and how pragmatic you are in your career decisions. Um, and then the fact that, you know, it's scary to say yes to a new opportunity, but it's sometimes I feel like even scarier to say no. So I think that's fantastic to, to say like, hey, I've had made decisions based on what's right for me and my family right now. So I think that's fantastic. I'm curious, um, you know, I've been an individual contributor my career for most of my career, all of my career to date. What was it like for you to transition from an individual contributor to mm-hmm. uh, managing a team? Good question. Um, the, I used to take a lot of workload, a lot you know, work, crazy hours, etc. And I think one thing you learn, or the first thing I learned, personally learned is delegation. You need to delegate and you need to say no for a project, even so you have the people that can work on those projects because you might have the time to work on those projects, but your team might have, you know, other things going on in their life. So you really have to delegate. To, if you don't know, as an individual contributor, you don't delegate, you do everything. But this is the first thing I, w- I would say that you need to, to learn how to do it. If you don't know, just approach HR and people and, and mentors around you that helps you with that and really assess the amount of workload that you need uh, to do so you're not overwhelming yourself and the team. It's a really good piece of advice. Um... So Chantal, the last couple of questions before we open it up to you are more associated with some of your educational background and then some of your more uh, mentorship work that you you do in addition to your day job. So uh, the first question I have is tied to your tremendously impressive educational experiences and background. Um, So can we talk a little bit about what has inspired you to continue to constantly be educating yourself and obtaining each of these degrees? And then another question kind of tied to, you know, how did you know it was the right time to go back to school to find these degrees? Was there a right time? Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So um, as a child, I was always fascinated by science. Just consider this to be a magic every time, you know, you mix two things together and you have, uh, you know, something coming out. So I really wanted to pursue um, a science degree. Uh, but uh, resources and assets in Lebanon are very uh, scarce, almost unexistent. So I um, wanted higher education, left to France. Proximity to Lebanon was key for me to be close to my parents. So, uh, and I continued my PhD there. So I did not know that I will have to continue, you know, moving further and further away. So, uh, but when the opportunity came in to move to the state, I think, you know, I moved to the state and I started my journey in the chemical industry. Now, When I moved, I would say from uh, research to business, I knew early on, like I said, when I took the pre-MBA program that I liked, I liked to be on the business side. I felt like this is where I belong and I needed more an um, in-depth, you know, uh, understanding and knowledge. I truly think that experiences or on-the-job experiences are the best books for someone to, um, you know, learn. But I was in a position when I was the chief of staff to the CEO, I was in a position where I really wanted to maximize my learning experience, working with top executive, uh, reading very high um, content dossier, very strategic, learn about organizations and M&A. So I really needed to go in depth into those dossiers. And this is where I decided to uh, couple that experience with an MBA. So I've done my MBA and then I was very ready to take on an executive job. 
again, you don't need an MBA to take on an executive job. It's very important. If you have the experience on the job, go for it. You don't need any degree. Uh, some people are, you know, CEO, they do not have a PhD or, or an MBA. But I think that, you know, what took me in that route is the fact that every time I wanted an in-depth connection with the role, and I had the opportunity and the support from the organization to make it happen. So I, I you know, I basically um, went for it and it benefited me tremendously. That's awesome. I appreciate your comment about you don't need to go back to school to be an executive. I think that's really important for our community to hear, for myself to hear, um, and, and to know that it's possible. And I, I really appreciate your willingness to share that experience and that thought process here too. Um, and I hope that other people are, are comfortable and willing and able to elevate that and share that um, even beyond this conversation. I think that's a great takeaway, not to discount the fact that Continued education is terrific as well, but I think it's also important to hear that that's not necessary to be, you know, a representative in the C-suite or, or to climb that ladder. So um, the last question I have for you, Chantal, is if you could please, so it sounds like you have some experience in mentoring undergraduates and professional women. So I think we would just be curious to learn about how you got involved in that and your experiences in that um, and any of your, you know, initiatives or efforts throughout those experiences would be helpful. Sure. Um, I, I'm a very passionate about science education. I think I can't um, repeat that enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mentoring has been, I would say, um, something that I did uh, when I was a professional early on. And now I do more and more because a lot of women and also men, uh, they would like to move from research to business. So I mentor uh, a lot of people in the uh, chemical in- industry. Um, they are, they want to know how to do it. They would like to avoid some traps, you know, some failures, etc. So I share my experience, you know, I recommend some programs if they want to go back to school. Uh, I mentor them on, them on a monthly basis. So I spend a tremendous amount of time making sure that they are successful in that role. And I really liked it. Uh, I'm also um, part I was part of the uh, mentorship program within my organization before. Um, you know, a lot of internal managers also on the RNI side would like to make that switch. They don't know how. They just want a starting point. So I engaged with the HR department at that time to make sure I sponsor some of these folks and make okay. it happen. Um, I'm also part of the Rutgers mentorship program. Uh, they assign uh, not only women, minorities, uh, first-time college students, um, in their families. So they assign to people where they see some fit. And, uh, you know, I mentor um, people who are studying supply chain and marketing. Uh, one thing that I would encourage anyone who's trying to make a switch in the chemical industry between function, between research or business, it does not matter. I think one thing that everybody can do is to volunteer. When you don't find a job, when you want a job and you don't find an opening, volunteer for a project. You know, find time to connect with people from that department and ask them how you can help. You know, in the organization, there is a lot of projects. Sometimes they don't have enough resources. Can you do that? Can you connect your, in RNI, can you connect with someone on the business management side and ask what do they need, how you can help? Just, you know, uh, if your organization allow it, and I hope it will be more and more common with time to allow those folks to experience, maybe you won't like it. So before you jump into it, you have that 
a prior experience to say, no, I, I, I did not like to be on the business management side. So I really, uh, you know, that's, that's my recommendation. I really recommend people to volunteer for a project, including if you want to, for example, sometimes go from an industry to another, uh, can you volunteer for a project or you can you help a friend or a colleague in their search or in their project, if it's not confidential, et cetera, you know, and I saw some people around me doing it and I feel like it's tremendous help for people to make a better decision into their career. Very interesting. That's such great advice. So while you've already offered up some terrific advice throughout the rest, the majority of this conversation, we do want to wrap up our interview with you today, Chantal, with the ability to, to enable you to share whatever you'd like with our community as we close. Um, sometimes that's in the form of a motto or a mantra that you live by or a podcast or a, or a book that you're reading that you want to share to the community or, or just some advice or closing comments. So I'll do that. Take it away. Sure. Thanks, Kylie. Uh, first, I would like to thank everybody here on the call for taking the time to actually come and listen to my journey. Uh, one thing I would advise everybody, if they can do it, even if they cannot do it, to find some time to do it is networking. I think networking is very important for a professional, whether uh, you know, you're in an organization or out of an organization. You need to nourish and develop your network when you don't need your network. So when you need it, it's very easy to approach people, ask for help. People would like to help other people. They would like to share their experiences, etc. So definitely spend some time networking within the industry or outside the industry. Um, I have a lot of books and, and stuff that I can share with, uh, with the community offline. I'm more than happy to share a list. One book uh, specifically that I'm, uh, that I'm reading uh, is Thinking Fast and Slow. It's about making effective decisions because it's, you know, it's always good to know how to make better and better decisions. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, for Danielle, Danielle Kahneman, a uh, very, very interesting book. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully you guys can, uh, can benefit from it. And thank you again for having me here. It's an honor and pleasure to have had the opportunity to share my journey. Perfect. Chantal, it looks like Amelia has already found the link to that book and she shared it to the chat. So if anyone's interested in clicking that, uh, it's available to us. But again, I just on behalf of everyone listening in um, and women in chemicals, we thank you so much for sharing your journey. Um, this has been a terrific conversation. So thanks again, Chantal. Thank you.